from Mons, City of Dragons in Belgium, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent. This is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 79. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Eric Sluice. Hello, Johnny. Hello from the city of, <clears throat> I don't know, Pizza, Al Capone and the Chicago Bulls. It's yeah that's no bad, dragon that's bad pizza isn't it but i guess we might come on to that one later and uh eric, eric city of dragons tell us more about that we have a dragon here and it sleeps all all year and once a year comes out of its caves and fights with people for months beside that we have french people we have cheese we have wine we have sunshine it is summertime in months we are all happy I have to say, you, you you live in the most extraordinary place. Um, the, 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 the photos that you, you you share in photography with classic lenses in particular and uh, a few other groups, they're, they're just in, incredible. It seems like you just walk out your house and there'll be somebody with a horn sticking out the heads. I mean, is, is that how it works there? Yeah, it, it is. And Mike, Mike Novak actually made a comment on it a couple of times. It's a big cultural city and there's a lot happening. And, and I live in the center of town. Uh, so when when I get out of my front door, and maybe some people have seen a picture of, of the, the old house we live in, there's always something going on. And it's great fun, great fun. I think I, think I saw the uh, the comment by Mike Novak. I'm not sure if it was your reply or, or his. Um, <laughs> whereas I think uh, every I think for six days a week, everybody's going around in some form of fancy dress, and then there's, yes, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a casual dress down there where everybody just runs around naked on the on the seventh day. <laughs> Mike is right, but it's a big secret. We can't tell all these guys from Chicago and Stoke and Trent, and you know, it's it's a well kept secret. <laughs> well, it's it's great to have you back with us, Eric. Um, Thank you. Last time you were with us, and I took note of this, uh, that was it, yeah. You were with us in episode 44, um, and th in that episode, we sent you to a, a desert island, and that was actually your second uh, appearance on the show, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, and we sent you to the to the desert island, and you, you really threw us a curveball by... Um, not selecting any uh, Carl Zeiss lenses um, or Jena lenses in, in particular, because uh, you're well known for your love of those old uh, those old German lenses, and you didn't even take any of them. Well, it, yes, because there's so much, there's so many things on, on you know for for the grabs and, and to take a look at, and I think my my love for Zeiss and, and their sonners is well known, so I thought it was a nice like, intention to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, I did take kind of a revenge on that. So <laughs> I've been stocking up lately on Zeiss cameras, on Zeiss glass, and it's even now so that I'm indebted to my wife. And you know that this means, you know, I'm confined to my desk for the moment. Yeah. Right. What can I say? You know, there's a girly party upstairs, so I can't go there. My junior is studying for the math exam he's got to take. And I'm in my, in my office. That's basically it. You know, looking at my new gear. <laughs> so I've been a good boy. You, you, you have. You have. Um, now, I just just to take, take things back just a, ever, ever so slightly, um, I just want to say uh, thank you to Ricardo Bayon for being our guest, uh, guest host uh, last week. Um, and he did so from, the, uh, from a city in Florida called uh, Uftar Raton. Um, was it Boca Raton? I can't quite, quite, quite remember this. But uh, um, and I noticed that 
um, Ricardo was particularly nice to us last week, um, which is possibly <laughs> because he was actually in front of us and with us. Um, so uh, he's, he's not with us this week. So we, we expect uh, Instagram's hash best vintage lens um, with their summary to re return to type. Uh, now he's no longer with us. So um, thanks for being with us last week, Ricardo. It was great fun. Yeah, that was a nice show. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, nice guy too. And uh, and just to um, cover off that, uh, the reason why you're uh, guest hosting with us this week, Eric, and that is because Perry is uh, in week two of his odyssey around Canada, uh, and he's uh, on the road to New Brunswick as, as we speak. Uh, he contacted us earlier saying, can we have a good show again this week, please? Um, so he can, you know, uh, while away the miles and the hours uh, listening to us. So we'll, we'll do our best, Perry. Um, right, so as we said, uh, you were on episode 44 with us, so that was a good time ago, um, and you've been buying more Zeiss lenses and cameras and, and things yes. like that, so do you want to give us a, a bit more of an update as to what you've been up to in the last, I'm guessing about nine or ten months now since you were last with us? Well, what basically happened is I got in the grips of the Zeiss Contax cameras, um, and I always consider them as, as being a little bit clunky and hard to use. Uh, and I was wrong. Um, the glass is great. Uh, and I had a chance to pick up some cameras that actually work. Um, and for the last, I would say, five, six months, I've been, you know, making sure that they work, sending them out to clean, to loop, to get them repaired is almost impossible. Context 2A, Context 3A. And I found the glass to go with it. So as I, on one side, have some LTM Zeiss glass, I now also uh, am the proud owner of some Contex um, rangefinder glass. And I enjoy it very, very much. It's, it's great fun. It's, it slows me down shooting it, uh, and it's great gear. And, and we all are gear lovers and we like it and we want to touch it and collect it and use it. So, so, so what, what happened for you to change your view from uh, the the cameras being clunky which a lot of people that have used them and the same goes with the uh, the kiev cameras which are you know the copies uh, soviet copies of, of that camera uh so you've gone from a situation where you thought they were clunky to now actually oh no they're not so what, what was the epiphany there i've well you have to get used to it i think that's the, the most important thing you have to take your time uh feel the ergonomics it's not a Leica, it's not as smooth as a Canon, it's not um, your typical rangefinder, but it does have the integrated viewfinder as far as the rangefinder is concerned. Um, it doesn't have frame lines, uh, but once you get used to it, it becomes a great, a great tool. It does something shooting with a camera that is 60, 70 years old and actually functions like a miracle. And the pictures, I've, I've posted some pictures that I made with it. Um, and the glass is, is unreal. I mean, you know, the rendering you get on, on film is, for me, you know, and that is not, might not be for everybody, but for me, it's absolutely great. Um, using them, taking them out and, and overcome the hurdles. And, and now I get up in the morning very early and, and go shoot with them. And I've, I love I've, them. 
I've got to say, you, you've um, to use one of your uh, favourited algaes with you being a, a Red Sox fan. Uh, <laughs> you've, uh, you've been knocking it out of the park with your photography lately, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> well, I hope so. You, you see my pictures and, and um, it inspires me to to better compose, to better shoot, to, uh, to better my lighting, uh, my, my exposure. And it pushes me, and I can feel it. It became almost too easy with it, with the rangefinder, um, as at Leica. And this way, I, I get more challenge. Um, now, don't get me wrong. If I have to go out, and I'm in, in Budapest for four days, I still take uh, an LTM uh, or a M rangefinder for, for my speed, for my uh, because I have to produce. But going out here with one of these contexts is, is fun. It's just plain old fun. Now, I know that uh, Mr. Sisson in Chicago uh, likes to use them too. Is that still the case, Johnny? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like my Kiev, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which I, I, I basically look at the Kiev as a refined context because, I mean, it really is. You know, uh... I mean, I, no, but I mean, it is. I mean, it, it's, it's a direct copy of a context, but with some changes made to it it's it's a context too you that's what i mean yeah it's not a, a two-way you know no but it's to me it's as just as usable as a two-way i don't know okay, I, okay. I i i'm not a, i i think i'm on record i'm not a huge fan of uh that mount the lenses are great i i i, ha I had and had and let go of a Nikon S2, which is probably better than any version of any yeah. contacts ever put out usability wise. But, yes. but the, I just don't get on with the mount because it, you can't really effectively zone focus with it very easily. It's too much work. It's just, it's just too twee for me <laughs> for, for, for just wanting to walk around and, and shoot. I mean, I can understand exactly what you're saying. Probably when you get in the zone with it, it's great. And that's what I actually like about my Kiev when I'm in the zone with it. It's really nice. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just I, 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 don't, I don't have the patience to, to give it that much attention, you know. Um, I'd rather just stick that lens on another body that's going to work. But, but I, I do get what you mean about them because they do have a nice feel. I mean, a Kiev is never going to feel as nice as a, you know, a later model contacts. No, it, um, it, it's like you say. When, once you're in the zone, it's great. Yeah, yeah, the lens, yeah. The lens, you know, the glass is no discussion. I think. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. It's just yeah, but I, it's just I don't, I don't get on with, uh, you know, I don't get on with having to work so hard to do simple zone focusing, which you really, it's very hard to do because of the way the mount works, because yeah. the entire lens, you know block is rotating so you yeah. you know so it's it's just i i find them i find them difficult as street shooters but you know mr eric is here to prove me wrong because he does that very successfully um and he you know he's doing the same thing i'm complaining about he's just doing it so if you if you just don't complain and work a little harder everything is just fine now i have seen a giant rangefinder uh, in a post by you. So what have you been up to lately, Mr. Oh, yeah, well, um, yeah, uh, I have a lot of new acquisitions. I have not mentioned the past few weeks, but um, I believe you're referring to the so-called Texas Leica. 
the one that's bigger than your cat. Yes, there's a photo <laughs> floating around of a camera next to a cat, and it's a Fujika uh, GL690 that um, that came to me from uh, a very good friend, Mr. Robbie Jameson. He he brought it in and said, "Well, you know what? I'm not using this. Why don't you Why don't you try this out? Why don't you try this out?" And so I've had it for a few weeks, and I've been I haven't actually used it yet. Um, but I had been here kind of pondering it and thinking what I want to shoot with it. And so then Robbie comes back into the, the shop the other day. He's like, you know, why don't you just keep that camera? I'm like Rob, what are you talking about? He says, no, just, just keep it. It kind of, it's a karma thing. It came to me in a kind of a special way and I really want you to have it. And I'm so, all right, well, thank you. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. So I'm, so I have it. I haven't shot it yet. I think I'm actually, I'm debating whether to shoot it first or just to send it straight off to, uh, Mr. Frank Marshman, camera whiz, uh, the repair guy here in the U.S. who does a lot of stuff, but he was a Fuji. He was actually worked for Fuji, so he he knows all the Fuji rangefinders range inside and out. Um, so I mean, it's sort of like why not why not send it to him? He does a he does great work. I figure why not just send it to him, let him get it tip top, and then I'll shoot it after that. So that's kind of my plan right now. Nice, um, but yeah, it's a big beautiful camera and. You know, thanks very much, Robbie. And damn it, now I need to go find it's now I need to go find the wide angle lens for this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it will force me to buy another lens. So, uh, yeah, which, uh, you know, we can't complain about that because are we really brokenhearted about that here on the Classic Lenses podcast having to buy another lens? No, we're not. Nah, so, uh, so yes, that is the that is the camera that is floating around that's bigger than the cat. Oh, yes. Picture of which is floating around. Other, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about new acquisitions all day long here. I mean, the other thing, uh, the other notable, I'm just going to talk about gifted new acquisitions. How's that sound? Sounds good Um, to me. So the other uh, camera I have here in front of me actually came from Hamish Gill. Um, and, and he, he wouldn't tell me what, what he was sending. He just said, did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? Is it on the way? Is it there yet? He was very excited that this thing would show up on my doorstep and it did. Um, and what it is, it's a panomicron, which as some of you may have seen or heard of this camera, it's essentially a 3d printed, uh, panoramic camera. Um, same format as the wide Lux, or I'm sorry, not the wide Lux, the X pan, which I think was Hamish's motivation for sending it to me is to, is to give me something to talk about where I was actually shooting, uh, you know, uh, X pan format in a real camera rather than doing crop sensor X pan or, you know, crop, crop frame, uh, panel. So the, this, this camera is a, it's a 3d printed, uh, 3d printed panoramic camera that, uses a um a lens in a focusing sort of mount so you can you know you can you can focus it it's a um, a 50 millimeter 2.8 lens and i'm trying to remember what system this lens is off of originally and i can't remember i want to say it's uh um i don't remember but essentially it's a it's a leaf shutter lens um with a focusing mount and a viewfinder in a in a very interesting looking kind of gray 3d printed uh body so i'm i'm very much looking forward to giving this a shot um 
and and seeing seeing what this thing does and seeing if it if it uh, scratches my my pano itch a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, so I will be reviewing this camera at some point uh, uh, for thirty five MMC after I've had a had a chance to to play with it. So that's my other gifted new acquisition. I have one more, but I'm not prepared to talk about it yet. That will be for a, a later date. A later date. How about you, Simon? Well, I've been up, been up to a few things. Um, although in the last seven days, it's been more large, large format uh, lens related because I bought a lens for my Meridian camera. Um, which I'll probably go into more detail in the next uh, large format photography podcast. Uh, but <laughs> the the gist of it is I bought a lens for uh, for a camera and it didn't fit. Um, when when you're using large format cameras, you sort of got the you sort of have the opinion that well you can just about fit anything in anything if it's a four by four four by five camera. Therefore, a four by five lens will fit. And I've now found that no, that doesn't actually always apply. Um, fortunately, I have two four by five cameras and it fits in the other one. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful lens. But I'll talk more about that in the large format photography podcast. Um, but what I had been doing the week before uh, which is something of an update on where we've been with our challenges, because of course, uh, Johnny, who uh, complained the most about the, the challenges that uh, were given, he actually finished his challenge easily faster than uh, Perry and myself. Um, and, uh, and, and that was to use a, a primer plan and enjoy it and get some good photographs on digital, which he did. Yeah, you know, he complained a lot to say that he wasn't enjoying it, but he did. He enjoyed it, and his, his photos were great. Um, my challenge was to use a Tessar, uh, and uh, it was it was a struggle to start off with. And then, um, as you may recall, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I um, had picked up, or rather, used uh, my friend's uh, contacts AX. Um, that's uh, Brian Truman of the uh, Six Towns uh, Darkroom and I enjoyed it that much I went out and bought my own and more to the point I found that using using uh, his 45mm f2.8 pancake Tessar on the AX was just great it was just great fun so I thought well there you go this is this is my challenge and I'll go out and, and I will use it and when the the camera arrived uh, it was described as it was meant to be brand new in box and it wasn't it was very good condition but it wasn't as, it wasn't the condition that it was described as so I got in touch with the seller um, said as much and we did a deal that uh, as long as the the camera worked that I would I would uh, keep the camera and have a, a, a partial refund and uh, I was happy with, uh, with with the refund and so I just needed to shoot the roll of film and then where things sort of went wrong there was I was thinking well this gives me about six days to actually or five days to shoot a roll of film and I then realized that that actually was almost no time at, at all um, and I needed to use a roll of new film because I didn't want to use anything that was expired to do a to do a, a camera test um, and the only thing I got was some uh, foam pan 100 and it was a 36 exposure film and the last thing I wanted to do is just fire off a few shots and bin the rest of the film. So uh, um, now I've finished that roll of film and I've not posted any pictures from it. And there's a reason why I haven't posted any pictures in any of the Facebook groups. And that was because 
whilst uh, I was in, in this process, M from Emulsif got in touch with me uh, because he'd seen a couple of things I'd done with the uh, with an AX, and he said I've just written an article, um, and he sent over a a draft copy of it, and it's all about the history of the Contacts AX, and uh, the the plan was that it was it was going to put it out uh, this week, and from that conversation and from the experience I just had with shooting this roll of film, uh, I decided that. Uh, uh, I'd write a, a, a small article uh, for Emulsive and that is going to be coming out this week as well. So uh, uh, M's uh, review and history of the Contacts AX is going to be coming out probably tomorrow. Um, and if you're watching in black and white, that's Tuesday the 6th of August. Um, and then with a bit of luck, sometime later this week, I'll finish my article along with the, uh, the shots I took from uh, this single roll of film and the story behind it. So uh, the, the main point is I had great fun using the camera, but more to the point, I had great fun using that Tessar. And I got some results that I'm very, very pleased with. Um, arguably, I could have got them with many of the lenses because I was stopping them down, or maybe I was shooting at 2.8, which you can do that with other lenses, but it was just good fun. It was a small lens on a big fat camera. Uh, and I've, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, that that was that was pretty much my my previous week in uh, in lenses. Nice. Yeah. It, I, I saw a picture of the camera with the lens, and it actually looks uh, looks nice. It looks different. <laughs> that diff different, different is the word. <laughs> it definitely looks different. <laughs> Very different. But hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. So you you could have just you could have just cheated and done this quick and dirty and gone out and put it on some stupid digital camera and got some pictures out there well i've done it i've, I've tried it on a on a stupid digital camera <laughs> okay <laughs> and but so you know if, as as people may recall I've, I've i've owned this lens before um and i bought it specifically in the hope that well this must be the good tessar and it just didn't do anything for me at all <laughs> um and uh, but when I put it on a camera that it was designed to work on, it seemed to come alive. And I, I don't really know why, you know, it's just, but, it, but it, it, it did, because it was a lens that just didn't, it didn't seem to make sense when I put it onto my Sony. Um, one, you've got a, it's a pancake lens sitting on a big adapter, uh, which is always a bit of an issue in itself. And, yeah. um, but when you it just like I've, I've never really been a fan of pancake lenses but then again i've only ever been using pancake lenses on on digital so um i might have to review that uh, thought process about you know when you do put a lens that's designed to work on a the camera then you know it, it, it can come across and work differently even if it's completely subjective i mean is it is it doing a better job no not really but it just it just feels like it belongs and there's just that harmony between the lens and the camera that I, I really enjoyed. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. It makes it makes a difference if you if you combine the the, the the lens with the right camera, it has a different feeling. Sure and does. I shoot, I shoot the Sony, um, especially with long glass, um, uh, and it just feels different when when you put a lens on its native, you know daddy or mummy camera it's it gives you a different vibe yeah so i agree i agree yeah Absolutely. i mean and that but that's that's not to say of course that all, all lenses always feel better on their native system 
Uh, I think there are many. Well, I've never really given it any thought up until up until this week. Uh, yeah, so I've I've clearly enjoyed using Olympus lenses, contact lenses, Canon lenses, what whatever on on my Sony or on a uh, Micro Four Thirds, and they felt very much at home on on them. But it was just that different that this this lens just felt wrong on digital, that just felt right on its uh, native system. So that was a bit of an eye opener for me there. Yeah. Um, actually, and uh, one one other thing before we move on to the uh, next part, and uh, seeing that we're talking about pancake lenses, the um, the Konica uh, that's going to be heading over to Perry, uh, which uh, he's going to enjoy using, um, and then we're going to rip it out of his hands and give give away. Uh, that's now being cleaned, um, and. I took it to uh, to 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 John to uh, repair it for me. John's uh, the camera repair guy that I use, and uh, he he took it apart while I was there, uh, give it a wipe, and then he, he saw this speck that needed a bit more work, and he was a little bit deeper into the lens, and he he went the extra mile, and he he, he worked out how to disassemble it, and uh, got the element, and then started to rub it to try and get rid of the speck, and it just wouldn't go anywhere. And then he realized it was a lens bubble. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You hear that, Gary? You hear that? You're in your car. You're driving. It's a lens. It's a bubble. Yeah. It's a bubble, Perry. Be careful. You have a bubble in your lens. <laughs> but it won't, be, it won't be Perry's lens for long, but he's going to enjoy oh, it while he's got it. it. <laughs> yeah. um, but that, but that, that was interesting in itself because, I mean, lens, you know, I've come across lens bubbles many times, um, but they're usually on old German glass or Soviet glass. So I, I don't think I've – oh, I've got one. I've got one in a, um, in a Sonar 105 2.5 as well. I just remembered, which, which oh, yeah. I must admit, when I got that, I, was th I thought to myself, hold on a second, didn't we have Bob Rotoloni telling us that um, they were all individually checked and then they just dropped things into a bin because they did this, if they had things like lens bubbles and things like that. Well, um, I think I got the lens that was picked out of the bin. <laughs> it, it works well, um, but, it's, uh, but it, it does have a, a lens bubble towards the rear of the lens as well, which is um, particularly annoying. Um, but, but there you go. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, I never, other than that particular one, you know, it's, I mean, the, uh, that, that's, that Nikon's quite an old lens anyway, but the, so the, I think the, the Hexanon 41.8, we were talking about, that's probably an eighties lens I'm thinking. So I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, there was a lens bubble in a relatively modern lens like that. Yeah. I, you know, it, it works. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, it does. It does. And uh, somebody will be winning it uh, in a couple of months or so. Yeah. The and bubble lens. The bubble lens. And actually, on the on the subject of that, I think we should start to ask people about about how we're actually going to give that lens away because we, we, we struggle a little bit on on competitions uh, because we, we don't really want to do photo, photo competitions and then spend a long time describing the describing photographs on a podcast um but yeah we we do actually struggle to come up with ways to actually give things away so i'm be more than happy to hear anybody's suggestions of uh for for the giving of the conica away or any other future competitions as well so if anybody's got any bright ideas on that one then uh i'm all ears um okay so 
talking about uh, emails and uh, getting in touch with and stuff, we've got a couple of emails to do. Uh, the Both of these emails are actually from last week, uh, one of which we should have read out last week, but due to a... Uh, uh, an administrative er- uh, error. Um, in other words, <laughs> I'm, I screwed well up with the copy and pasting. Well <laughs> yeah, um, I managed to copy the same um, question in uh, into our into our notes, and there should have been two questions. So uh, we're going to do uh, that question, and we also have a second question, which we did talk about last week, but we just realised, oh, this is way too big uh, to do uh, to do in this show. So, uh, so should we should we do that uh, that the, the missing question, which also has some expert an expert answer from Perry in the uh, the form of some audio as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do we want to do that? This is the one from Daniel in Berlin. Yes, that's right. This was the okay. he, wrote, he wrote us two emails, um, and this is we actually read out the second email, and this is actually the first email. So, so this uh, is sorry about one. that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna do uh, Daniel from e- from uh, Daniel from email. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel from Berlin. He says, hello, classic lenses aficionados. I've been in bed for the past four days with bronchitis and discovered your podcast. Uh, I've since listened to some 15 episodes and somehow he survived, apparently, his bronchitis. Um, He says, I love how inept your discussions are. A (laughs) A perfect companion to Sunny 16, which I would describe as broad or casual in a good way. Uh, so while listening to Johnny and Perry ramble on about the top core S, I actually found one attached to a, a Leatex body. Turns out the camera had a full CLA by a guy who just does Barnax. Long story short, if I sell the Leatex, I've ended up with a free top core S 50 F2, my first and only 50 millimeter M39. Doubt I will need another. Although there is next to zero information in the web about TopCon in English, apart from a few blurbs on RFF, there's plenty to be found in Japanese. Here, for example, is the page from TopCon Club, which deals with the three versions of the 50F2, and there's a link provided there. Uh, Mine is the second model, the brass slash black one, which is considered by Japanese sites as the best out of the three. Although, as always, that's highly subjective. I'd love to pick up the all black aluminum one, too, and do some tests in the future. I've also managed to snag a mint CLA Petri CCS 2.8 for under 100 bucks, which, unlike the 1.9 planar Johnny has, comes with a Tessar lens attached. So, yes, keep on keeping on, and thank you for making my week laid up in bed a pleasant one. Greetings from Berlin, Daniel. Hello. Just uh, jumping in here on Daniel's email from Berlin, where he talks about the Topcore S lenses. Uh, first of all, get well soon, Daniel. Hope you're feeling better. Um, but secondly, on the Topcore S lenses, uh, this is my favorite 50mm LTM lens. There's no secret of that. And there is a lot of confusion about the different versions because Topcore only made a few lenses in LTM, but there are a lot of different versions of some of them. Uh, the ones that are designated Topcore S specifically are the 50mm lenses with a Biotar design. Three of them are F2, and then there's a very rare one that is the Topcore S 5cm F1.8. That one's really hard to find. Uh, If any of you see one or find one, just please sell it to me. Uh, But for the other, the the F2 version, 
the three versions. The version one is the all silver chrome one. The version two, which Daniel has, is black and chrome. And then the third one uh, is black, which is the version that I have and the version that I think both Johnny and Hamish Gill have. So there are a lot of conflicting reports online about uh, differences in quality between the three. Now, Jamie cites a Japanese website, TopCon Club, which claims version 2 is the best, version 3 is roughly the same, version 1 is a little bit weaker. I've read reports here in Hong Kong that version 3 is the best, version 1 is the second best, and version 2 is the weakest. It, it, it's inconsistent, and I think it might depend on you know which one you get. But from my experience, having tried all three... Uh, they optically they're pretty much the same. There might be slight coding differences between the early and late ones, but I, I couldn't say for sure. Now the key differences between the three versions though is number one the build. Uh, the first version is all brass and it's a little bit heftier. Um, the latest version, the version three that I have, has a bit more aluminium in it, so it's it's a little bit lighter, but not not by a ton. But the biggest ver- differences I think are in the handling where the earlier versions have an infinity lock and a slightly longer focus throw. Whereas the version 3 that I have, that's my favorite version because the focus throw is really smooth, it's really, really short. It's about a 90 90 degrees focus throw, uh, and there's no infinity lock. The other notable difference is that the version 3 only has aperture clicks in full stops, whereas the version 1 and the version 2... Uh, they have third stop partial aperture clicks. At the end of the, at the end of the day, they will all perform pretty similarly. Uh, so I would make the choice if you're going to get one of these based on the handling. The version three is the most common by far, um, and it, it is my favorite. But I think when you're buying one of these lenses, the most important thing is to pay attention to the condition, uh, because as I'm sure Johnny will attest to, finding one is tough, but finding one that's good is even tougher. Uh, so that's how kind of I've ended up with two of them. One is pretty beat up, but optically still performs fine. And the other one is near mint, and I don't use that one as much. I kind of keep it in the cupboard uh, for safekeeping. But as long as you find a good one, uh, pick the version that looks best to you or handles best to you, and then you're good to go. It's an amazing lens. Uh, highly recommend it. Right. Well, uh, again, sorry for not reading that question out last week. And... We had a quick chat about uh, the, this question. Uh, the, the three the three hosts here today have got absolutely nothing else to add to that. If I if I'm if I'm correct, is that right, Johnny and uh, Eric? Uh, well, I think I, 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 yeah, one question. Ahead. I have one question. What does the thing cost? Well, it's, I have no idea. I mean, around street price, you know. I mean, the street the the problem is there's there's so few of them out there. Yeah. Um, so if you do find one, it's going to be, it's going to be probably at least, uh, $300 us. Okay. Um, okay. so I, would, I, I must admit, I did have a, a quick look on this because I was thinking to myself, Oh, let's just check this before we talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> just, <laughs> just in case there's something cheap out there. Yeah. Um, so, and, but there weren't, there weren't, there weren't any, there were, no. There were no super bargains out there, but, um, yes, you can pay as much as, uh, Johnny said there, but yeah, you can pay a fair bit less than that as well. But so, so say $200 yeah. is about the starting point, but yeah, got, there it, are different versions and, uh, right. and, and so on and so on. You're going to pay probably three to $500 for a good one there's there there tends to be the same five near mint 
bullshit, not near mint ones from Japan listed on eBay that are always, you know, in the $400 range or something yeah. like that, that nobody who really wants this lens will touch because they're nowhere near as described, which is really obvious. Um, so it's, it, 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 there's just a, not a lot of them out there. Gotcha. Um, so it, it takes some doing to find one and it takes some doing to find a good one. And you're going to probably, you know, pay through the nose for it when you find a good one. So it's, a, yeah, it's a difficult lens to find. Um, and, and hence there's not a lot of information out there about them. Um, I, this was the lens that famously, uh, Perry, myself and Hamish had a private, uh, a private kind of chat going where we had, a, we had made a pact that none of the three of us would talk about this lens on any of the, you know, in the podcast slash blogging universe until we all had one because we didn't want to drive the price up. Uh, so, and we all have, we all now have a copy of this lens. Uh, Perry has more than one copy of this lens. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to find and it, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that's going to take some doing to find a good one. So, um, so yeah, I believe Perry is Perry. I, you know, I don't really have anything to add other than, other than that, other than it is, you know, it is, it is a biotar by design, which is a bit unusual for an LTM lens in the 50 millimeter range. Um, and, but Perry is going to talk us through here in his recorded message on the ins and outs of the different uh, models of this lens. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Perry. Um, that's good. Some good clarification there between the, uh, the different models and also finishing off with just get one do you like the look of <laughs> that, that, that works well yeah. for you. Um, okay. So uh, that's that question. I just realized um, I did say there were two questions, but there is actually another question, um, which, I'm not going to make it to make you read out, um, but it it came through um, just after the last week's podcast from from Jonas Lundstrom, uh, oh. and uh, and it's via uh, he, he sent a link uh, to uh, to a photograph on Flickr, um, and it's it's very very difficult for us to actually really discuss uh, what you've sent through to us there, but it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's an odd little thing. I'll do my best actually just 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 now. And uh, and somebody called Effie to Cruise uh, is the person that uh, posted this. And we'll we'll put the we'll post this in, in into the notes um, the the link to this. But he's he's produced a a diagram with uh, lenses on it, uh, which is it, it, it sort of. It gives people a bit of an idea about what certain lenses will actually do in terms of bokeh and you then you got busy bubbles you got most defined bubbles you got most smooth most balanced thin <laughs> thin bubbles light swirl very swirly shaped um these are all 50 millimeter lenses and uh um yes we'll <laughs> it's it's Pretty difficult to make too many comments on this, but other than uh, take take a look at it, um, you'll see the link in the notes. And uh, and thank you for uh, sending that through, uh, Jonas. So uh, thank you again. Um, so it, it, it has like more flavors than in you know when buying ice cream. You know, yeah, it's like you know you you order your your ice cream with you know little bubble, slightly corrected, and no sugar. You know, one of those. It was it was tough to 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 understand it. But you know, it's nice. Yeah, it's. I think the problem to understand it, the problem is, is that it's it's somebody's 
subjective opinion of of certain ways that they describe lenses, yeah. and, that, and that's always what makes you know talking about lenses quite quite difficult because what we what we see and how we interpret what we see can be quite different from each other. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of fun. Um, so uh, take a look at it. What a nice bridge to the next question. Yes. So uh, the, the big question, which we didn't cover last week. Uh, so uh, do you want to read that one out, Johnny? Uh, yeah, this is going to be the Nigel Qu Cliff question, correct? That would be correct. Yes. All right. So this is the, this is, it's like become infamous now. The Nigel Cliff question. <laughs> the, the Nigel Cliff question is, we've all had a laugh over the past few weeks about Perry's definition of budget lenses, but for the ultimate quality on adapted lenses, do we have a go-to uh, to the upper ranges of the main manufacturers, Canon, Nikon, Olympus, Minolta, Pentax, plus Perry's really expensive stuff, or can we, or can we with care get top quality results from what the rest of the human race would consider would class as budget. Are there any real budget under 50 pound lenses that can give results indistinguishable from the expensive glass in the classic lenses world? You know, I, the thing is, I'm not sure I still even understand exactly what this question is. And I think that's why we're still talking about it, but we're going to try to figure it out right now. Aren't we guys? We are. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, you read that question out to how when when I read the question myself, I'm there thinking, hmm, actually, that's not what I've been thinking about for the last. <laughs> that's uh, what I week. mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my my initial interpretation uh, was, you know, is there a, is there a cheap and and where we're defining cheap as like you know fifty pounds, sixty dollars, that that kind of uh, that kind of range uh, that can compete with something that's you know really top draw. And, and and I think that you know, when I say top drawer, I'm talking about like a Sigma Art lens or a, a G Master Sony or some some of the Canon L lenses and, and so on. So we're talking about you know modern optics um, with 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 big price tags. Uh, that was that was that was what was going around in my mind. Um, and then there was also a, a, another clarification in in this, I, I put this. I don't, I don't normally do this, but in the, but we, I, d I decided that I think I needed a little bit of help to answer this question, so I I put the question into photography with classic lenses and also into the um, classic lenses podcast Facebook group, um, and asking people for, for for their thoughts. And Nigel then went on to clarify his his question because I wasn't the only person that was thinking about uh, these, um, you know super super modern lenses and uh, Christopher J May uh, made a really strong case and pretty much echoed the thoughts I would have made um, so that's worth taking a look at and that's in I think that was in the, our podcast Facebook group um, but uh, Nigel uh, clarified he wasn't talking about brand new modern lenses he was actually talking about uh, top quality classic lenses and the the inspiration for for the question was that one of his favorite lenses is the 100 millimeter um, olympus f 2.8 really likes that lens very impressed with its performance and uh, you know it's a, it's a good all-round lens and he's currently uh, he's currently borrowed uh, an om 100 millimeter f2 and he's been blown away by it uh, because there was quite a staggering difference in in 
let's call it image quality, whatever that means, uh, between the, the 2.8 and the f2. It's not just the fact that it's you know a faster lens; it's also it's it's immeasurable. Actually, it won't be immeasurably sharper because it's uh, you, you can define these things. But it's it's much sharper, um, and it's got better contrast and uh, all all of those things you would associate with a with a top modern lens. Uh, you're getting out of this uh, Olympus 100 uh, millimeter f2. Uh, difference is though that 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 lens, the f2 lens, is about five times the price. Um, it's also quite rare, but it's a, it's a really, really good lens. And it, it's, a, it's actually a relatively modern lens by OM Design um, lenses as well. So um, that was the, the inspiration, a little bit of clarification there. And Eric, uh, you've actually been in touch with Nigel since then. Um, and uh, you've got a bit more feedback to add, I believe. Well, my impression, and again, I asked uh, Nigel to come up with some glass that, that I could, you know, better understand where the question comes from. Um, and he, as I would do, comes with a list of lenses that he really likes. Um, and I understand. Then I, I for myself, uh, came a little bit to the conclusion that we all like uh, the lenses we have uh, for the simple reason that that's why we have them. Um, and, and inherent to our hobby and our passion and, and the use of classic lenses, therefore um, often not new, therefore cheaper, we are always on the lookout for the best bargain, the best rendering, and the most pleasing rendering. And then it becomes very, very subjective. And that's where the questions really started to, to come along, as I hear from you too, Simon. Um, what can one answer to, to it? I mean, is a Leica M Summicron version 5, um, can I get the same thing, uh, same rendering and the same IQ and, and all that on a lens that I pay one-tenth of the price? Um, and that's where I don't know. You know, there's simply questions I don't have an answer to. Uh, and I think it's it's up to us to like it and to see whether the price is you know is is worth it to to use it. And one of the things we do we buy lenses, we try them, we keep them, therefore we like them, or we sell them. Now the the new lens he gets in is more expensive, um, and what you often see is people go from the basic first classic lenses, which I could say is like Helios 44, um, a Nikon 52.0, uh, sometimes uh, non-AI, uh, so the lenses that you can get for 30, 40, 50 US, um, and slowly grow to their own liking and taste, which also asks for more investment. Um, and it's still very, very subjective. Now, my first impression would be, can you get the same from a 50 uh, pound lens as you can get from a 800 pound lens? I don't think so. But one of the, <laughs> but I know Johnny doesn't agree with me there. Uh, so what is his point of view on that? Can you get the same for less money? 
Um, I, you know, I'm still trying to t- figure out Nigel's question. To be quite honest, it's, it's like hard. reading. It's like reading the Second Amendment or something. It's just, <laughs> it's just like it contradicts itself. I just can't. <laughs> I'm like diagramming his breaking it into paragraphs and trying to figure out what he's actually asking here. Um, I, I, if he's asking, <laughs> I'm just reading it again. I mean. Wh- wh- <laughs> For ultimate quality on adapted lenses, do we have to go for the upper ranges of the main manufacturers? Or can we, with care, get top quality results from the rest? I mean, okay, he he calls out Canon, Nikon, Olympus, Minolta, Pentax. Well, I, what else is there? I mean, I, I'm not... I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess, okay, um other than all those brands that he's mentioned, which is most of what's out there. Um, I, I, I mean, all I can think of it, he's, he's talking about like generic things like, uh, like team out lenses or something, which were adaptable to multiple mounts. Uh, some of which are excellent. Um, so yeah, maybe that's possible. I mean, I have, I have team out lenses, especially in the 100 and 105, uh, territory that are, you know, competitive to the, what's considered the one of the best lenses ever, which is the Nikon 105 f, you know, two two five. I mean, there are team mount lenses I bought for five dollars that are on par, nearly with that. So I, I, sure, I guess it's it's possible if that's what he's asking. You know, um, you just have to you just have to dig for them. Uh, I, I think you took, let's just just take it back to the the, the clarification that he gave about rather the inspiration when he was talking about olympus yeah uh, in particular the uh, 100 2.8 versus the 100 f2 um and you know they're both you know top manufacturer uh, lenses um but one is significantly better um and more expensive than the other and you can see where the money's gone um in, in terms of the uh you know, how, how they deliver um and actually i just want to just just go as a bit of an aside uh, because um, when we we touched upon this um, because uh, Ricardo knew that it was it was only there for for the one for the one and he wanted to answer this one <laughs> it's, you know, and, uh, he wanted to get his teeth into it and uh, one of his uh, points was well the the, the Nikon 105 2.5 and I, and I, I I said to him, you can't get one of those for the, yeah, in, in yeah. that budget. And uh, a couple of days ago, he emailed me a link <laughs> from the Twitter <laughs> and said, there you go, there's one. It's sixty dollars, <laughs> and uh, the uh, the glasses uh, the glasses fine, and uh, there's no fungus, there's no haze. I mean, the thing looks like it's been rolled down the street, but it would work perfectly and it, and it would do where uh, it would take a fo- I'm sure it would take a photograph every bit as good as a mint one it's uh, three three times the price um one thing I will say to you uh, you know with, certainly with the definition that I was initially thinking of at least that as as good as that lens is it's a lens that appeals to us as classic lens users for for some unique and tangible character uh, that the lens has uh, but it's not if you want to compare that to uh, a modern uh, Nikon 105 is it a 1.4 they've brought out is it a 1.8 I can't quite remember but you if you do a side-by-side uh, assessment of those two lenses if you and you and you do it in a, a scientific way uh, not in an artistic way um, the, the, the old lens is going to get blown out the water um, it just doesn't it just can't compete in, in terms of 
you know the uh, the corrected and uh, and the sharpness of, uh, of of that modern lens. So in, in my this is where I'm sort of differing from uh, Eric's definition of uh, viewing these lenses now because I I'm I'm viewing a lens like uh, like that Nikon has, has been a great lens um, undoubtedly but it's it's not it's you into going in more into the realms of what's your favorite lenses rather than um, which are the ultimate performance performers on a budget yeah but again it's it's what you look for in in, in your photographs Mm. Um, last week, the, the lenses that uh, were mentioned um, were the Nikon, as you just said, the Helios 13 Blade, uh, Minolta 45 and 50 2.0, Jupiter 11, the older versions, Jupiter 8, the earlier versions. Now, one of the remarks you made, Simon, that, that was spot on, is uh, you talk, also talk about consistency versus uh, sample variation. Um, because I know of Jupiter 8 lenses that are absolutely stunning and you can't distinguish between it and a size summer that you would pay four or five hundred euros or pounds or whatever. Um, but you don't take into account your sample variation, which is huge. Uh, other lenses that I came up with is like a Pentax 1.7. Is it a sexy lens? No, it's not. Is it good? Yes. Uh, a Nikon 35 2.8. Is it a sexy lens? No. Is it good? It's very good. I know yourself, you're using the uh, the 28mm 2.8 uh, from Nikon, and it's a fantastic lens. And it's not, it is not expensive. Again, for me, uh, I have my set of lenses that are for, uh, let's, let's call it work, if, if I'm making a documentary or stuff like that, and, and I would like to sell it or, or part of it, uh, I would use uh, Zeiss glass, I would use Leica glass. Um, then um, if I would use fun, uh, I would go to all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it, it all depends a little bit. Um, I was just going to say, you, meant, you mentioned the, uh, oh, actually, no, it was, it was, was it 28 or 35 Nikon that you mentioned there? I mentioned the 35 2.8 and I mentioned the 28 mil 2. That's it, yeah. Was the, yeah. The, the, Both great. Yeah, I was going to say that the 28 uh, 2.8 that I have is, is the AIS and it's. I don't think we can count that as being a, a, a cheap lens. Uh, okay, okay. It's the CRC version of it, although... Uh, yeah. But I, th I think there's, a, there's, there's certainly a point with... Um, the, the 50 millimeter lenses in general we've said this we haven't, i don't think we've said this phrase for for a while but the, there are no bad 50 millimeter lenses no. um, that's not entirely true because there are some there are but, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but gen generally speaking um they're 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 excellent um and you've mentioned the pentax lens um which is pretty much on a par with the uh, as I think you said the the fifty one point seven uh, the the Minolta equivalent is a, is a is a good lens um, as is the uh, Yashica and the, uh, the 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 Zeiss and so on. Um, a lot of those lenses are, are, are creeping up in 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 price, although most of those are uh, are still very affordable. Um, but the and I've mentioned this lens before. I'm not sure if we, if I called it a sleeper lens once, uh, but there's the um, I think I, I never know whether to call it chin on or shin on, um, but the the fifty millimeter uh, K mount lens, fifty one point seven, 
uh, in my opinion, is is superior both to the Pentax and to the uh, Minolta. I've never tested it head to head against the uh, Yashica or the, uh, the 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 Zeiss, but I I I think that's probably the 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 best uh, cheap 50 millimeter lens out there. Certainly in terms of uh, outright sharpness, and uh, and it can be picked up very very cheaply because nobody really cares about Chinon, do they? Well, Mike Novak got me a. Um a, a 51.4 from the states um, that that is is very cheap. You know, it's not 50. Let's say it's 70 or 75 um, at 1.4. Absolutely stunning. You know, um, again, there's for me. I have my shooting stuff that I need to rely on. That is, you know, that can take a hit. That I that I have insured. You know. And I have my fun stuff. Now, a uh, Helios 100 F2, uh, as you have one too, Simon, is for me fun. can be a great lens, but it's fun. Now, if you really go into the nitty-gritty, is there at the same price? Maybe there is, maybe there's not. Now, can you see the difference? That is a totally different question. Because how many people are going to see the difference between uh, one and the other, between the Leica 50 millimeter? And a let's say 200 or 100 uh, US dollar or euro or pound lens. I don't know. Certain not on Facebook because the resolution wouldn't take that. So even even there, you know, you have to really go into Flickr and, and get some high res shots of it. I, I'm not into pixel peeping, so, and I don't think that everybody is. We certainly shouldn't be. Uh, well, no, we shouldn't be. I think yeah. so, you know. But that's I think composition of of the picture, what is happening in the picture, uh, the way you shoot it. I mean, th those are all far more important than than you know edge sharpness. Yeah. yeah. Another another thing to take into consideration about when we're talking about a a modern lens being better than uh, a, an older lens, and we are predominantly talking about uh, sharpness. Uh, because at the end of the day, that's that's always the thing that it's easiest to make. Yeah. Uh, let's let's call it a subjective decision on on uh, on the quality of a lens is to is to pixel peep and you can you can see something that's in focus and zoom in on it and just see how much detail you can see there. Um, how useful that really is in real life is is open to debate. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that really could use and do use. Um, ex extremely high resolving lenses to do whatever it is that they do um, but I would suggest that those people are there's a very small number of people that actually need that kind of uh, resolution I'm, I'm struggling to think who those people are by the way but I'm sure there's th those people have got to be out there um, but <laughs> well, I remember doing a test and I've mentioned this again before on 28mm lenses and some lenses were definitely out-resolving other lenses. And uh, the Sigma uh, mini-wide, 28mm uh, Sigma mini-wide 2, uh, when I, I did the pixel peeping on that, it was it was definitely it just it could not keep up with the uh, with a, a biogon, um, the 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 Nikon, a Zeiss, and all of those kind of things, which are easily capable of out resolving it. But as soon as you actually just looked at the picture itself, and you're thinking, I like that, yeah, <laughs> and it it had something else in the photograph that was almost missing 
in these 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 other these other photographs so it is that thing about you know what what is it you want to actually get out of a shot are you looking at do you want to just look at it in infinite detail or do you just want to just look and and enjoy the feel of the shot and and i think most of us are into classic lenses that's probably what we want well two weeks ago you had uh, isabel on, on the podcast right um isn't she the the, the best example of somebody that said, uh, I want to influence my, my, my work. I want to influence it the way I want it to be. Um, and as I remember, she used a, a Leica lens and, and a Leica body even, and she got rid of it uh, because she prefers what the end result is uh, instead of um, uh, the best equipment to make it. That's, that was my take on it. Um, now we as collectors, we have think I think two sides. One, we like uh, the stuff. You know, we want it, we feel it, we play with it, we enjoy it, we order it, whatever. Uh, two, uh, we would like to have the best for the least for the least amount of money, and that's also part of the fun. You know, um, that's why we like it. That's why we listen to podcasts and we read the forums and we publish our pictures and we're proud of it. And we should be. Um, and then there's the third part, which is for me very important, is budget. You know, some people can afford bigger budgets and can dedicate more money to uh, lenses. And other people just cannot because they have 16 children and three wives and, and alimony and God knows what. <laughs> you know, it's the way it is. You mean like Ken Rockwell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. But, you know, I have two growing up teenagers and before I can buy any lens, um, they need to eat, you know, and, and I can find whatever. If I find a, a Leica M, uh, whatever, at 0.95 for 2,000 euros, which is a great deal, I'm not going to buy it. You know, it's not going to happen. So th there's a lot of things in the matrix, um, and sharpness is the easiest one, I think. Now, then again, there's things like, is it shooting on film? Is it shooting on digital? Is it shooting product photography? Is it for... Uh, modeling is it for street work is it for documentary for i mean there's so much and that makes it all so much fun you know that's why you have a great hobby and a great way of, of trying to make beautiful pictures the way i see it and and the question is it's valid and i think the question comes down to what we all do and it's we probably never will answer it because then our hobby will be done you know <laughs> we have the best one for the least amount of money and that's it you know, um, so that's a way of looking at it too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You just you just mentioned there about uh, lenses for for model shots. I yeah. mean that that's that's probably the well, certainly one of the largest. Uh, that's that's an area where there's the, the the largest difference between an old an old school lens and a, and a modern digital lens because they were even in the day uh, they were they were designed to be soft and flattering. Yeah. Um, and whereas yeah. now you buy a, a, an 85 millimeter f 1.4 or what, whatever it is, whether it be by Sam Yang or uh, one of the um, you know, the major manufacturers, and they're they're just in incredibly sharp. And yes, you've always, as as people will say that the the buy these lenses, they'll say, well, you you can you can take sharpness out of an image, but you can't add it in, which is which is true. Yeah. But, it's, but it, I just see so many 
portrait shots that just are too sharp in in my opinion at least anyway and and there's there's actually there's, there's a there's a question behind that about you know what makes a good photograph and what makes a good model photograph and is it a case that the the technology modern technology is, is driving sharpness and therefore driving these ever sharper portrait shots or are we or are we losing something um because like i say it was a deliberate decision in the past to make portrait lenses soft it's a very valid point and uh, don't forget today we also live in the age of photoshop and and, and lightroom and, and digital um, dark rooms uh, so we can do a lot um, and then you go into a question of what you know the old style or the new style i don't know what i do know is that a 1.485 mil or 105 Sony, whatever, will set me back 2,500 euros. I just don't have it. You know, it just stops there. Um, and a lot of people don't have it. And they do want to be involved in photography. And for those people, and which is like 99% or 95%, whatever, um, classic lenses is absolutely fantastic and there's some great bargains to be found and, and so much history look at Cheyenne who's who's giving us history on, on, on optics on, on glass and all that stuff it, it's fantastic and, and everybody has a little place to show their new you know in French we say trouvaille the, the thing they found they're proud of I am proud of when I buy a new lens I'm proud I want to show it you know, I show it to my kids. They go, "Okay, you're nice." <laughs> <laughs> I show it to my wife. She says, "How much is how much did it cost?" You know, I said, "Darling, that's not important. You know, it's rendering nice and it's so sharp." She says, I don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's basically it. Yeah. But and we share it amongst us. Um, and I showed Johnny. I, I show. I, I bought a Zeiss twenty-one mil, and I was so proud. And I sent out a. a a message to Johnny and say, you know, look what I got. And he says, it's great. And we enjoy ourselves and we are in contact and we speak with people. I was just, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, John, Johnny, um, we've, we've just spoken at length now about this question. Have you, have you understood it yet? I, I'm still <laughs> kind of lost in this question. <laughs> I, I'm still kind of, and I, I even went back. So I, I'm really well prepared for this week's show because I have my notes right here from episode 59 with the date on the top of uh, 31019. So that'd be March 10th of 2019. Now, the only reason I have this still on my desk is I've been using it as a beer mat, basically, um, <laughs> under my under my glass every week. <laughs> so it has all kinds of water stains on it. But we went at great length to go through budget lenses of various focal lengths, which you can see in the notes of episode 59, which we recorded, let us note, not once but twice that day. Um, <laughs> this, this is the infamous lost episode that was then re-recorded. But we have recommendations for budget lenses for basically every focal length from 17 millimeters to 300. Yeah. And, and there are plenty of budget lenses by the manufacturers mentioned right here, Canon, Nikon, Olympus, Minolta, Pentax, right? I, I don't think that, like, it, the, there doesn't need to be further budget alternatives in some of these categories because there's plenty from those makers available. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, the answers are out there. You know, um, I, 
you know, 50 millimeter alone, there's a, there's a slew of budget lenses with names like Pentax, Nikon, Canon, right? Um, you can find them. So I, 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 sometimes I feel like it's almost like a quest for the Holy grail. Like there must be, there must be something out there that's even better and even cheaper. And I don't know that that's the case. I mean, the, 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 uh, the question about the TopCon stuff is a great example of that. It's like the whole reason I think, you know, Perry and me and Hamish and some other people, I know Robbie picked one up. The whole reason it seems like we freak out about these things is it's like all the other answers have already been found. Yeah. And so if there's that one answer out there still that can't, that hasn't been discovered yet, it's like the one everybody wants. Right. Um, and I think that's a large attraction quite honestly with the top, the top core is, I mean, it, it really is a uniquely rendering lens, but when you get right down to it, how much different is it than some of the other lenses you could, you could get? It's really splitting hairs, you know? So, so I feel like it did. I feel like it becomes more of a quest because of the, it's, you know, it, it's Odysseus, you know what I mean? It's a quest for the sake of the quest. Almost it's, it's, it's not to necessarily find something that's going to be so incredibly better than what's already known. Um, and I, and I feel like there's a lot of known things out there that are really wonderful. So that's well, the conclusion. It's I fun. It is a lot. It's of fun. fun. It's yes. right. So it's more about right. It's more about the pursuit at that point than it is about yeah. that there's that there's something cheaper. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. I think it's the fun. It's it's the whole voyage towards it. It's yeah. development. It's uh, what you've said, Eric. It's you know, it's just it's the whole. It becomes a whole culture around the quest. You know. Yeah. The top con, you know, and you want it and you keep it a secret because, you know, you want <laughs> right. it so bad and then you have it and, and you feel like and suddenly it's empty. You need something new. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now you have the Texas Leica and you need the other lens because without right. the other lens, you cannot survive. Right. This is the way it is. <laughs> totally. and, we, and we all have it. Yeah. And I love that Top Gun lens, but I'll be quite honest, the lens, I, I, you know, I shot a few rolls on it, but I've kind of just gone back to carrying my canon 51.8 which i still you know put out there as the budget ltm 50 millimeter lens because yes you can get them for around a hundred dollars you can yes you can yeah. yes you can so and 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 to, so what it came down to was yeah the top con's probably got a bit of an edge on it um image quality wise at the wider apertures but and maybe a little more pop but the canon 51.8 it's almost indistinguishable. And it, what it came down to for me is I'm, I don't want to carry two sets of filters. I mean, it's like that it becomes that simple is I don't want to carry a special set of filters for a different size lens when I could carry one set of filters for, you know, two lenses that are in my bag. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 sometimes that, that unicorn, you find it and then, you maybe even don't want to use it all the time because it took you so long to find it. Well, what if something happens to it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got lenses like that. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't use because I don't want to mess them up. It took me so long to find them. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that's, that's, that's typical. And, and, and we will always be on the lookout for more and we will always be. And that's part of uh, the whole, 
quest, as you call it, Johnny, and rightfully so. And that's why we keep on posting and keep on looking and keep on searching um, yeah. and keep on spending and selling and whatever it is. Um, and, and it gives us gratification in finding it and, and, and testing it and using it and making pictures with it. And it's a fantastic and great way of, of having fun. Um, and some of us may, might even sell some of their pictures and, and others, they don't care. And others do flowers and, and they only do flowers. And that's great, too. Uh, the point of Simon, where he says, you know, our lens is too sharp. Maybe they are, maybe they are not. For one, it is. Um, it all comes down to to what you want to do with it. Now, if you're a photojournalist, you walk around with a, with a Nikon D5 and, and two lenses. That's it, you know, guys, that's it. There's, there's, I don't see him walk around with a, with a Leica M. You know, it, it's just not happening. Um, and if you have to feed your family as a photojournalist, it's a different world. Um, and you know, photographers making their living by creating art, there are not too many, let's put it that way. Yeah, um, right. you know, that's fair too. I mean, there's not, and the ones that are, um, they all use either sponsored stuff, um, or they use, you know, the very expensive stuff that is also sponsored because, you know, like, uh, whatever they all want them to use their stuff, of course. Yeah. I mean that that started with Cartier Bresson as well. I say started with it was, mm. but he was certainly uh, they were supplying his gear. Oh yes, and and Zeiss yeah. was supplying him with anything he wanted. You know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You just especially where where you you were talking then, Johnny, um, and 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 yourself, Eric. There's a there's a. It seems like we're all on a bit of a journey uh, with classic lenses, and uh, I'm not too sure at what stage. Um, at in terms of percentage uh, but i know that the the lenses that i'm now interested in that i don't own is very small uh, yeah relatively yeah. speaking I, uh, I i feel that simon i mean i'm like i don't buy a lot of lenses anymore you know i feel like i've got pretty much that what i need to be because i've settled in on a couple of systems that i use i, I find it much more i i my my interest is more that there are other formats I want to shoot. And so it's entire camera and lens systems that I'm interested in. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like this uh, Fujika from, from Robbie. I mean, I'd, I'd been looking at one of those for quite a while just because, you know, it, it, there's not a lot else like that. I mean, it's a six by nine range finder, you know? So how many things out, are there out there like that? So it's, to me, it's more that I, I find I struggle with uh, there are, are film formats like 645. I think I have not yet found the 645 camera I'd really love to be carrying around with me all the time um, or the or the panoramic or whatever. So it that's where I find I, I spend more of my interest these days. Is And then the lenses are a byproduct of that because obviously if you have the camera and the system, then you're going to get the lenses for that camera and that system, right? Uh but it's for me. It's now almost more about I don't need anything else really in thirty-five millimeter. You know, uh, my gosh, I have I have more than I can shoot right now. Um, but there's always other things I want to try, camera system wise. Um, and then you know you want to see what the lenses are like that go with those systems. You know, Johnny, you want you want a secret? Yes, please. I mean, just between us, <laughs> I'm starting to sell. <laughs> yeah, I have too a little bit. It's crazy. Oh my! It, it, I thought it would never happen. Yeah, 
and I yeah. don't tell her about it. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, 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 between you and I, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, between I, us, between yeah, us. I, fi I finally sold my uh, – well, I had it at uh, – I don't like to sell things person to person no. because I really – unless it's someone I really trust, I don't trust – I'm sorry. I just – I have too much investment, and I have too little margin for getting ripped off to, to do eBay, so I don't do that. Um, yeah. But I do sell things to people I know – and trust and it's you know it's it's equipment that i know is right and i and that i've used quite a bit um but i did i did finally let go of my uh mamiya rz67 because i really only bought it to shoot polaroids i didn't buy it to put film through it i bought it for polaroid backs and it just became too much to have around and they're they've gone up so much in value it was just stupid for me to hold on to it so i finally sold it and i don't i honestly I don't miss it um and sort of the same story when i traded my uh my nikon s2 for the you know the batman Bessa yeah the blue yeah. Bessa r because i just i wasn't using the nikon because it didn't mesh with my style of shooting really well and i i really needed another 35 rangefinder so you know i think you settle in ultimately the things that are the best fit and it's still fun to chase the unicorns but it's isn't still, it isn't it fun to see that the the final maybe one of the final answers to the question is that everybody's developing. Look at Simon; you are now into large format. Yeah, uh, right. Johnny is 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 exploring you know big format. Uh, I'm shooting uh, a context that I didn't want to shoot, and we all start you know finding our own little niche, and I think yeah. that's great. Yeah. And, and it keeps us. Up, up, up to speed and, and, and looking for different ways of making the most beautiful images that we can share with everybody else. Right. Well, for, for a moment then, I, I, I thought we were all heading to a point where we've, we've, we're settling down, we're comfortable with what we've, we, we have and so on, but actually, no, we just, <laughs> we're just, we're just <laughs> going to go somewhere totally else now it. and do it all yeah. over again. Oh, yeah. yes. No, there's, always, there's always something else. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it should never stop, you know. No way, no, no, no. Well, um, I can let everybody into a secret as well. I'm also selling some of my own gear as well. Um, and 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 that's largely because uh, you know, I'd, I'd recently uh, decided that as far as 35 millimeters is concerned, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much going all, all in on contacts, um, as in modern Japanese contacts, I should say, rather than the, the, than the old stuff. Uh, that um, Eric Eric loves, um, and and that just goes back to you know my uh, association with, with 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 contacts going back many years, and also you know using those lenses on on digital as well. But that's that's now making me look at the lenses that I have in in my collection with with different eyes now, uh, because there are some lenses in there that won't fit onto my contacts and I have been putting some weird and wonderful things on my AX in particular um, seeing that it's you know contact is actually quite a, an adaptable system so you can put uh, uh, quite a few other systems on it so it, it, it's, it's particularly fun with the AX because you can turn anything into an AF camera which is just a, an AF lens which is just good fun um, but uh, I'm now looking at some lenses that would do the same thing as the Zeiss lenses. And I'm thinking, well, why am I keeping that? And so they're, they're, they're going to go um, unless they've got something that they can do for me on digital um, that 
I'm just not going to be able to get out of the contacts because, yeah, let's face it, there are there are times where um, you you want a certain look, and you're only going to get that on digital. You want the convenience of getting it on on on, on digital, and that would therefore mean that. I know, say my uh, my Petzval fifty eight. I'm not. I've got no intention of selling that because it, there are times where I can put. If I'm a bit bored or I just want some inspiration, I can go into the cupboard. I can pick that lens out, and whether it goes onto the contacts or onto uh, my Sony, it will put me in the mood, and I can go out and actually use it. But where I've got other lenses which are just good quality lenses, but they don't actually do anything particularly unique. Then I'm asking myself, you know, why am I keeping this? Why? I mean, sometimes you've got the sentimental value of, of things, but there are just so many lenses that I have, which I've just got because they're nice, uh, but I just simply don't use them. So it just makes sense for, for, for those to go now. And, and whether that actually funds other Carl Zeiss gear, which probably it will, um, uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is another thing really. And going back to Nigel's uh, question, some of the lenses I definitely keep are, are, are bought for less than 50 pounds. So they do have something over the lenses that I sell that I bought for maybe 250 or 300 euros. Same here. Totally. So you see, it, it is mm. not the it is not the sharpness. It is not not even the sentimental value. But there's lenses that I, I, I keep, and I bought them for 25 euros. Yeah. I have old Jupiter lenses that I keep. I have weird stuff in the exact amount that I keep. Um, because, like you say, Simon, they do something for me that the others that I'm going to sell do not. And probably the ones I sell are better in rendering and sharpness and, and all that stuff. Uh, but they're going to go because they don't do what I want. And maybe that's the ultimate uh, answer to the question. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's certainly yeah. an answer and I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to, to end it on that point, certainly. What was the question again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that's, uh, I think, I think, I think we've at least attempted uh, to to answer that question, um, and I'm not entirely sure where we're going to go next. Actually, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, well, what's coming up for everybody? I got a few things I can mention. Um, I, I I not to slip into wrap up mode, but uh, we could talk about things where we have plans that we're going to do. We usually yeah. talk about things we have done, but I, I feel like there's so many things I want to do and it's summer and yes. I want to get them done before the summer is over. You know, I said last summer it was going to be half frame August and I was going to spend all of August shooting my half frame cameras because I never feel like I ever get to shoot them enough and it's August again. <laughs> and I didn't do it last August and it's, you know, I want it to be half frame August again. Uh, so there's that. I, I, just, I feel like I have so many things I want to do and no time to do them. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. Well, there is, there is something that I'm going to be taking part in, which actually I wouldn't mind a bit of advice on. Uh, I'm, I'm part of a photographer's collective. It's called the North Staffordshire um, photographer, no, photographer's collective, North Staffordshire. And, um, and they, and we, because I'm also 
member of the uh, Six Towns Darkroom. So there's a collaboration between the Six Towns Darkroom and uh, and the collective. And we're going to be launching a project. It's not launched yet, so uh, here's a sneaky preview. Uh, and because it's going to be in association with the Six Towns Darkroom, it's going to be film-based. And, and it's a when it was suggested we all thought oh what a good idea that's 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 good let's let's do that and the theme is using black and white film and the theme is high contrast and uh, so thinking yeah that's good we've, we've all seen high contrast images that can look really really effective and they, they make you look at your light and shadows and things like that uh, differently but doing it on film is not the same as doing it digitally uh, because when you when you do it on film, especially if you're going to print in the dark room, um, it's a different thing again. Now you can you can certainly shoot on film, scan it with a with a scanner or DSLR, um, and put it into into Lightroom, say, and then just just play with the contrast sliders, the whites and the blacks, and you can get a, a very easily you you can turn something into a into a high contrast image. But when you're shooting on film, that's a little trickier because usually with high contrast that means that the 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 highlights are pretty much non-existent yeah they're just blown and the shadows are very very deep blacks with very little shadow detail in there so when you're actually exposing an image usually you you well there are different ways to expose an image but uh, let's just say you you can expose for the whole scene um so you get a balanced exposure or you can expose for the highlights uh, which means you'll have detail in the in the bright parts but you'll have very black blacks in the shadows or vice versa expose for the shadows uh which will then blow out the the, the highlights in the shot but i'm i'm a little bit stumped to work out which way to actually expose a, a roll of film to that I'm going to do both to. You know, I what I wonder, Simon, actually, is how high contrast are you talking? Because if you're talking about, I, I consider almost everything I shoot to be high contrast. But if you're, it depends if you're talking about like lith film high contrast, where it's basically blacks and whites and no grays at all. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think, well, the theme that, I mean, this is going to be some form of exhibition that will appear. So these, so the, a, a number of photographs will be up on a wall. And for me, they need to, if you walked in there as a photographer, you would immediately be hit by the fact that these images are high contrast images. And then perhaps not even as a photographer is, is uh, is just, a lay person, if you like, will look at yeah. these and say, wow, they're, they're really contrasty images. That's okay. That, that, so what that means is so, a difficult one to de define, I guess. So not because I consider Ansel Adams to be a very high contrast photographer. I mean, I do his own system stuff. I feel like is extremely high contrast because he goes from really dark blacks to really bright whites. And to me, that's high contrast, right? Yeah. But I don't know if that's what you, or if you're talking about almost like graphic arts. Well, no, actually, I think I, am, I, I think I am actually talking about what you just described there, because when I, if, okay. I, if I want to do this digitally, yeah. um, I would, um, let's let's do it the, 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 the simplest way. There's uh, if you're doing this in, in, in Lightroom, uh, you can press the alt button and then you can slide the, 
the white slider all the way in one direction. Uh, well, yeah. you start moving it, and then it will highlight the areas which start getting burnt out. And you can do exactly right. the same with the with the black button. And therefore, you can you can see that you've you, you're taking that 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 detail out, and that will then give you the uh, high contrast image. But it, I'm not entirely sure what the best yeah. way to achieve that look with film and I then in the dark room. Yeah, to me that, that that that's where I feel like I still I guess I think about even though I don't really make darkroom prints, I still think about making digital images the same way I made darkroom prints. And for me, it starts with um, film choice and how you expose the film and then developer choice and how you use the developer. And then once, and so then you've got a negative, right? With a certain contrast profile to it that you've baked in from the start and maybe even used filters if you're talking black and white, of course, yep. you you maybe used a yellow, orange, red filters to boost the separation of tones to give a greater impression of a higher contrast image. But then, I mean, I I I did this a lot. I mean, I would work the negative to get it to that place, and then when I went to the dark room, you would choose a your paper, your graded paper. I mean, you could do the same thing with multi contrast black and white paper where you, you know, you pick the right filter that you were going to use, but I, I always like to do with graded paper. So a grade two would be like a lower to normal contrast A grade three would be kind of slightly higher normal contrast. And then grade four and five would just push the contrast up higher. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted a high contrast image, I would basically take my negative and instead of printing it on a grade two paper, I'd print it on a grade four paper. And that would, that would just give you – it's just a – it's almost like the graded paper are contrast profiles that you would pull out a Lightroom. It's the same idea. you know. It's the same exact idea where it's a preset. Um, so a grade 4 or a grade 5 paper is like a preset in Lightroom for higher contrast. Right. And I mean to me that's the easiest way to approach it because you could take a normally processed negative – and just print it on different grades of paper, and it's going to change the look of that negative based on the contrast profile of the paper. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. Yeah. And uh, the other the other question now, I mean, I, we've just been talking about exposure there, um, although actually not not really covered that one too much. I mean, would you recommend just exposing the whole scene um, or going in one direction, going for the, the shadows, all the, all the highlights? Well, I mean... It, the conventional wisdom was always exposed for the uh, highlights and developed for the shadows, right? Because you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't, you want to retain the highlight detail, which if it's gone, it's sort of gone. If it's blocked up on the negative, it's blocked up and you can't really get it. Um, so you expose to get the, the high, amount of highlight detail you want. And then in development, you can pull the shadow detail out by developing shorter or longer so that you, you, you end up with a negative. I think you generally, you want a well-balanced negative that you can then, you know, work in the dark room with paper choices, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, that's, I guess that's my thought on it is, is how you expose it from the get go. You can, you can do that. You can expose it to give you a contrast to your image from the beginning. Right, if you know that's what you're going for in the end. But I mean, you could also just take a well developed, balanced image and then using graded paper or contrast filters, you're going to get a more contrasty image that way. 
with right so you haven't kind of blown the detail or blocked the shadows on your negative right right again so, i mean just yeah, to give yeah. yourself more flexibility but but then again if you know you want a super high contrast image yeah you could just you could just bake it into the negative for sure and that and that also leads leads to a choice of film and uh, Eric, right. i was going to say eric <laughs> what's uh if you were going to go out there and was, you know, you've, you've used so many different kinds of film and so well, many expired films and vintage <laughs> films and stuff. So, yeah, what, what would you go out and pick for to for to be particularly contrasty film? I would take uh, expired Orvo film. I would take the NP23 film that is um, 35, 40 years old and it just jumps off the paper. I mean, for me as a low contrast shooter, um, I am not particularly fond of the film because it, it gives me too much contrast. And I've actually been looking for a way how I want to shoot it, how I want to use it. I have quite some of it. Um, so Orvo NP55, for instance, is a film that I, I like better because it has more grays. Now, if I go to NP23 and develop it in, let's say, um, Rodinal or D76 or... Uh, Atomal 49, or I, I tried many, uh, it just blows from the negative, you know, it just, it's like an atomic bomb, you know, so <laughs> it's boom. And and I'm sure people, there's people that love it. And, and when you see my pictures that I published, most of them are very, very grayish, you know, um, because it's, it's the look I like for the moment. That's, that's what I, and I've, always been shooting like that a little bit so as far as i will send you some uh, oro np23 thanks eric I mean, and, uh, yeah it's 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 not the big format thing but i can get it in big in larger format. no no I, i'm more than happy to be shooting at 35 yeah, yeah it's 35 i'll send you a couple of rolls and, and just play with it and see what it does you need some voodoo to develop it <laughs> uh, you know you can take a the membership of our voodoo college with Mike Novak and Jay Javier and, and myself. Um, so we can make you an honorary member. That's no problem. Uh, but that's what I would do. And again, my knowledge is very limited because I like the low contrast rendering. I think it's worth just giving a quick shout out to your, your Facebook group. Um, yeah, we should do that. Yes, we should. Yeah. It's the Vintage Film Shooters Group. And uh, I started it uh, three and something years ago on a Sunday. I said, yeah, let's put up a group. And, and um, I call it Vintage Film Shooters. And, and but we're almost 3,000. We are over 3,000 people there, you know, all shooters of, of expired film. Um, and it's we publish pictures that, that we make, obviously, with the expired film. We, we show our trophies and what we found and, and uh, how good we are, and we talk about voodoo, and it's, <laughs> it's a very nice group. It is, and it's very nice people. We don't have a zillion posts per day. We have three, maybe four, maybe five a day, uh, and, and it's a lot of fun, and, and when you want to go and when you have an expired a film that you uh, want to use. Uh, every picture, uh, almost every picture, has a little description. This is the year. This is the make. This is how it was developed. 
So you can actually use it as a, a giant database of, of, of film. Uh, and besides the fact that vintage film is, or expired film, is, is less expensive to shoot, um, it is also giving you a specific rendering. And so for anybody that would like to join uh, vintage film shooters, uh, Mike Novak is one of the, uh, the guys with me there, uh, Jay Javier um, from the Philippines, great guy. Um, and and you know we keep it we keep it quiet it's for distinguished gentlemen and, and nice ladies of you know and we have a lot of fun a lot of fun no, so it, by it, all means it, it it is a good group and uh, Johnny yeah. and I have uh, posted there occasionally as well um, yes along yes. with uh, yeah. Dan, Dan Goshen as well he's he's, he's been putting oh, yes. uh, quite yeah. quite a bit of his stuff in there which is very really much good stuff. Yeah. Yes, it's it's great fun, and and uh, Daniel Keating, who's a who's a member, who's a great, he's a walking libra- library of knowledge, you know. Um, Adam Paul, it's his birthday today, so um, he's a great shooter. Uh, uses vintage film, works a lot in New York, works a lot in uh, in Israel. Um, great, great photographers, you know. I mean, we're talking some top-notch shooters. It's great. It's fun, and that's what we—that's what it's all about. Definitely, vintage film shooters <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook, join us. Yeah. It's fun. It's voodoo. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, have we? Have we got any other things that we want to f- cover off today? Yeah, I, I mean, in some some. Let me just touch up on it. We have uh, the month of August is a big month here in in months in the Dragon City. Lots of events going on, so I'll be shooting those. Um, we is, have is, big, isn't that just a, a normal month? It's a normal <laughs> month. It's a normal <laughs> month. Uh, we have a huge gathering of uh, military on the end of August. Uh, we'll have um, a liberation column with lots of uh, World War II material, tanks, and, and all that kind of stuff. I'll be shooting that. Um, I haven't done any traveling, which I miss. Um, why? Because I paid for all my CLA jobs. Uh, <laughs> I had all my lenses <laughs> cleaned, and then I, I, I've almost finished, and then it will all be clean and good to go for the next 30 years. So I couldn't afford to travel this uh, summer. Uh, let's hope that they will change in September, October. And I'm doing a new project, which is called N90. Uh, there's a, a provincial, like a, uh, how do you call that? Like an interstate, Johnny, you know what I mean, in the U.S.? Yeah. It's not a highway, but it's like an interstate. Sure, well, yeah. I, I'm following like a Route 66, but then the Belgian way. So I'm basically... <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going from here, which is in the west of Belgium, towards the east, towards Germany, say. Uh, and I'm trying to make a, a nice reportage as they say in French, on that route, which is old, and, and, and trying to show Belgium in all its colors and, or in all its black and white. Um, and you once in a while see a picture popping up that I'm, uh, I'm publishing. Having a lot of fun with that too. So that's what's going on here. And having a lot of fun doing it. Okay, I think we will start to wrap things up now. Um, let's... Well, I just remember, I, I usually... 
have my tabs open for the things I'm going to be talking about and because I need to thank some people for donating to us uh, via coffee. Uh, so I'm just loading that up at the moment. Uh, where are we now? And that's uh, coffee.com. That's K-O-F-I. And I'm still padding this out as I'm <laughs> trying to get onto the site. Uh, and here we go. Um, cool. Right, so uh, just to thank... Uh, those people that have donated in the in the meantime, um, we've I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but uh, Barry Carr donated to us the other week, um, and Robbie J. Oh my word! So he's he's not just giving out uh, Texas likers; he's actually <laughs> he's donating to us as well. Um, and uh, so we got uh, and thanks, Robbie. Yeah, um, and finally catching up on all the back episodes of the podcast. Uh, have to say. Uh, the shows you guys have been doing are great, uh, is a, as informative, as entertaining, uh, as inspiring as ever. Uh, thanks for making Mondays a bit brighter. Um, you guys are the best. <laughs> well, th thank you very, very much, uh, Robbie. Um, yeah, and uh, and thank you, Lawrence, as well, who's also don donated to us. That's Lawrence Dunn. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, the coffee donations uh, for, for this week. So thank you all for doing that. Um, and uh yeah i think this is a time to say thank you eric for um sitting in the the the, the comfortable seat that's usually occupied by perry um thank you yeah it's been been great to have you with us it's um some some great insight there as well um and it's always good to hear about the dragons of mons and things like that as well <laughs> yeah so um, we've already done a, a shout out for your uh, Facebook group. Are there any other places that you might want to give a shout out to or people to? And also, if you can just let people know about uh, where people can find the work that you do. Uh, people can find me through Facebook, which is easiest. Um, and I can then link them to the uh, to my Flickr account. Um, and a shout out for me to Mike Novak. Uh, my man, my my true hero, uh, for helping me in the Vintage Film Tutors group, and and Jay uh, Jay in Manila in the Philippines, and this time a shout out to Mike Gutterman. All right, yeah, Mike Gutterman. He's the Gutterman in the Gutterman Cave. I love his show. I really do. I think he's doing a great job. But there's a secret. Mike is moving to Laika. I am telling you, it is. I have heard, and he has said it, he's moving to Leica. What is happening to the working man's camera? We don't know. We are confused. He's, what he's, is Mike going to do? It's, it's still the SLRs. Yes, he's moving away. He's getting a bourgeois. I don't know what is taking him. and I don't know. I am afraid. But a shout out, and Mike, if you need help, we are there for you. Uh, to bring you back on the path of the working man, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, so that's it for well, me. <laughs> he's he's going he's gonna to say that he's he's still on the side of the working man uh, because he's yeah. he's using his, his Pentax six seven, and I'm just thinking, how many working men could afford this Pentax six seven? Absolutely, come on, what is, real. What is going on in the gutter cave? You know, I mean, he was a working man. He was the example for half of Europe. You know, and keep, now he's he getting keeping it to real. Leica? What is going on? But you know, we're here to help, Mike. Yeah. We're here to help. And we, we're talking here about Leica R cameras, which um, yes. a few episodes ago we completely slated. 
Um, um, although I've, I've got to say, his uh, his talk. He's, I mean, he was he was gifted a a, a Leica R eight. It was and, uh, it was a it, it was a Trojan horse, a Trojan <laughs> horse, Simon. Well, it, it was because he's he's since I'm not sure if he's actually bought it, but he's certainly looking for one, uh, a, an R seven, uh, yes. to, to 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 go with it, and um, and I totally get that idea because that's why I have two contacts cameras, one for black and white, or for different kinds of film, and you can just swap the lenses uh, between them. I'm not sure if Mike's actually worked out just how expensive Leica our lenses are yet, though. I don't know if he's got that far with his. <laughs> why doesn't he just get a freaking rangefinder he's gonna spend all that money on like a slr stuff i just i don't know johnny i don't know i, I we love his show i really do love the show and andre dominguez that's there with him i mean he's been fooling around the cameras i don't know what's going on it's a virus i'm telling you we have to be careful <laughs> uh. So anyway, those are my shout outs and, and especially also to Mike and Jade, which are great guys. And uh, uh, You know, I, I should go to Iowa and visit Mike. Iowa, Kentucky, Louis, beautiful Louisville, oh, that, Kentucky. Yeah, but Mike Novak. Oh, that's sorry. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going, you know, he, he's going to be a bourgeois, you know, he's not going to accept yeah. the working men from Europe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, John, Johnny, have you got any shout outs? I, yeah, I do have a couple, actually. I think I mentioned, um, I, I, I think I mentioned last week talking to Adrian Doyle, who came through uh, Chicago. I talked to him at Central Camera. He was on his the last leg of his huge uh, journey that he was on. Uh, pretty sure I mentioned, but I thought I would throw that out again. And then I talked to Paul Grief this week, uh, who was in town from Wisconsin, uh, chatted with him at the shop. And then, as usual, I, I I feel like I it's become such a regular uh, thing. But I, you know, obviously, I talked to Bob Matter this week. I talked to his buddy uh, Mihailo Bradish. Uh, they're like the the Northern Indiana, the Crown Point Hammond area Indiana crew that comes through, and I see most uh, at least once a week at Central Camera. Uh, so I I got to chat with them, and then of course Robbie. Uh, had a, had a nice combo with with Robbie here the past couple of weeks on a couple of different times, a couple of different occasions. So, um, so yes, shout out to all those awesome people who make my day uh, a lot more fun at Central Camera every day. So, and a big not shout out to all you damn Lollapalooza people <laughs> wandering about Chicago making it horrible this past weekend. <laughs> what, what what on earth are you talking about? Uh, the Lollapalooza? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. It was in Chicago this past weekend. So we were overrun by. Lollas? Suburban youngsters wearing glitter and pasties and underwear, um, which sounds like a lot of fun, but trust me, it's not. It's like months. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, like, it's like months if you had dragons wearing pasties and underwear and glitter, I guess. Yeah, ain't going to happen. They were nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad that's over. It's been a it's been a week. <laughs> All right. And uh so how how can people keep up with you and the things that you do? Uh you can keep up with me at photography on Instagram. Um you can keep up with me, you can catch up with me at Central Camera Company in Chicago most days of the week. Um you can get me in those two places and you can also, you can uh, send an email if you want to me and Perry and Simon and the crew. 
at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. And I guess I could just go ahead and do the rest of it since we're already there. Uh, you can you can uh, follow the podcast, of course, at uh, classiclensespodcast.com. And you can also catch up with our Instagram partners, uh, Best Vintage Lens, over on Instagram. Be sure to check out their uh, Oofta Magic that they post there uh, most days of the week, every day of the week. It's Oofta Oofta all day long. So- and YouTube, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So so Simon kind of just quietly launched us on over out onto YouTube. Um which I haven't checked this out yet, but you can you can I guess watch and listen to the podcast. Well, you're not watching anything. Yeah. yeah. You're watch your picture. You're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. looking at the picture that says Classic Lenses Podcast. And I don't know if there's like a little progress bar you could watch that and you could listen to it. <laughs> you could listen to us. And I, I guess does it not does it auto caption us? I, I've heard? I, do, I do I do believe that's the that's probably the biggest single advantage that people that somehow uh, so subtitles can be produced of what we're I saying. I can't imagine it can properly subtitle no. all of this, but I, you know. Just say Ooftar again. Oofta! <laughs> oofta loofta magic doofta! Oofta oofta! I, yeah, I just can't imagine it can subtitle that stuff, but it'll be, it'll, I guess it'll be fun to see what it does with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could look us up on, uh, on over there on YouTube. And then one, one day we may actually surprise you people and actually just make a proper video where you can see us. Ooh. So, wearing pasties and glitter. Or and nothing. Under, and, and underwear. <laughs> And our underwear. It's coming to you one of these days on YouTube. Right. So, Ratings are about to start dropping very, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think I, I'm not sure what our YouTube channel is. We'll, we'll put a link into the into the notes. Uh, but I think if you actually just search Classic Lenses Podcast on YouTube, you will find our channel. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think there's four on there as we speak. So this will be the fifth uh, episode. And, uh and I think the last two episodes had zero views uh, last last time I looked at it. So uh, it's going really well. Um, yeah, so we're really breaking the big time on on, on YouTube. But uh, it was an experiment. I just I just wanted to know if uh, if it would get picked up in any kind of way if we just didn't tell anybody. Um, yeah. And uh, actually, Cheyenne Morrison gave gave it away when he he found it very very quickly without and uh, yeah. What happened with that? Well, that was like well that that explains how. Oh, it, I'm sorry. No, that's Cheyenne. Well, ex- exactly. You know, he's um, yeah. He'll find us wherever we are. Um, right. He tracks us down. Um, but, hey, since we have six. No, wait. I'm just sorry. I just went over to look at us on YouTube because I'm really curious. Um, and it looks like we have six subscribers. I am one of them. Are you really? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. Anyway. All right. I'm just amazed. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do, I mean, we did, we did put a little post out into the Facebook group um, this week. Uh, to to say as much, so uh, that's how we've yeah. actually managed to pick some people up there. So uh, we may have actually had some uh, viewers uh, on on some of those that weren't there before. I'm going to have quick look at this myself now. Um, yeah. So uh, my channel, I think you just search Classic Lenses Podcast and you'll find us. Yeah, it's right. I just went Classic Lenses Podcast oh, on YouTube. Yeah, and there we are. Yeah. To- Tovenar is our new is our new um, subscriber. So it's uh, me. It's hey. me. Oh, you're Tovenar. 
Yeah. Oh, that's magic. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, that doesn't oh. really count, does it, really? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can uh, tell my I can tell my daughter I'm a, I'm on YouTube, you know. <laughs> I, I I get coolish points. You know. <laughs> Actually, there's a there's a a, a great um, a, a fun video on a pretty dull subject. Actually, thinking about it, that uh, Ethan Moses did on shutter speed testers, and he he started it off by saying, "Hey, I'm a high high bet high energy YouTuber uh, here," and then and then just like switch that off and said, "Right today we're going to be talking about shutter testing." Nice. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was it was, it was a, certainly a high energy start to that one. Um, uh, right, so yeah, so we are on YouTube, uh, just just about, um, and uh, and that's just about it. Uh, oh, oh God, almost. That's just about it. I got. I have. I have one more. Um, before I forget, I have it right here at the top of my notes uh, that I will be on Grainy Days podcast tomorrow with oh, wow. Dustin and Edward and Mac. So, so there you go. So I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be doing the chat with the Grainy Days folks. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, well, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, well, you've 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 been good on everything you've been on so far. Obviously, a few <laughs> few dodgy episodes of the Classic Lenses podcast, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we should we should look on that. That should that should be good. So, Many so, yeah, so, yeah, and the gra- gra- grainy If those people wanted wanted to find that podcast, um, grainy. If you just typed in grainy days in the way that uh, you would say it, you might not find it because uh, they they're very much hip and happening, and therefore spell uh, days with a Z or a Z if you're in America, of course. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, yeah, that'll be worth a listen. Um, okay, so I'll just do my usual shout out for the Six Towns Darkroom, which is part of the Six Towns uh, Photographic Club, um, which is on a Tuesday night. If you fancy coming down and developing your negatives and doing a bit of printing, uh, talking about old cameras and stuff like that, you're more than welcome to join us. Uh, so that's on a on a Tuesday night, and that's in Tunstall, Stoke-on-Trent. Just send me a PM uh, if you want some details uh, on that, but uh, you'll be very welcome to, to join us. And uh, the place where you can send PMs to us, uh, well, you can find me on uh, Facebook in the uh, either in the Photography with Classic Lenses uh, podcast. No, I can always get these two things confused now. Um, we've got too many Facebook groups, haven't we? Which probably people are like nodding their heads now at the moment, saying that we have. But well, there we go, we have. Um, so we have two Facebook groups. One is dedicated for the podcast. Uh, so that's the Classic Lenses Podcast Facebook group, and then a, a wider. Uh, topic uh, group which is uh, photography with classic lenses um, so you can find us all there um, and you can find me certainly there so you can just send me a message I'm on Twitter it's Simon4 uh, the 4 being F-O-R not, not the number <laughs> I think <laughs> some, something creaking in Mons uh, again um, oh, yeah, that's the cellar door to the, to, down to the, the film the film cellar yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Uh, I've got an eBay shop and I've got my own website where I've got some FICAS adapters, what's left of them. Um, and there are going to be some new adapters coming in the next few weeks. Um, and that's simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. So that's it. Um, I'm going to thank you again, uh, Eric, for, for doing a great job of uh, looking after things for Perry. It was fun. That's fun. it. 
and uh, actually just a quick thing uh, if if you do want to keep up with whatever Perry's doing he's on Instagram and uh, actually he's just on Instagram isn't he um, as, as Perry G so Perry uh, G yeah um, and he almost certainly hasn't posted anything since the last time he mentioned it <laughs> so um, <laughs> but uh, I hope you drive, drive carefully drive carefully now Perry yeah exactly. drive carefully yeah, you have a you have a great time over there. We need the... you back. We need you back. <laughs> so uh, on that, um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's show. Uh, oh, just need to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for the music, which is Octo Blues, and that's it. So again, if you've, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show, and uh, I hope you can join us in next week. And if you can, be like Carl. Perfect. <laughs> that's a that's an outtake that won't make it onto the uh, <laughs> Yeah, the thank the you. Show. Thank you very much. <laughs>